What's up, listeners? Welcome to a new season of Sport Thought. It's your girl, Mahanara Lamine, and today I am so fortunate to have Tom Mustin from Channel 4 with us. How are you, Tom? I'm doing great, Mahanara. Good to see you. It's good to see you. I'm, I'm excited to be back in studio after I, <laughs> I walked in and I said to you, this is my home, and a home you know quite well in a different way. Walking into the newsroom, do you feel like I'm home? I do. I think I definitely have, you know, I've got 21 years in broadcast experience, so I definitely feel at home. And kind of in a radio setting, too, I feel at home because I do some work with 99.5 The Mountain as well. But, yeah, it, it's taken a while, but it does feel like home. How does your transition from the newsroom now come to the classroom? I think it's a, it's a pretty good transition, and it's really been helpful for me because, you know, I, you, a lot of things you take for granted as a journalist, you know, that I see in the eyes of, of the students here how, how exciting and new it is to them. That kind of gets me excited as well. So it, the transition is good. I, I feel, you know, I, I talk to people all day long, and so now it's my job to try to help you all learn things, and hopefully that's working out. So your job every day, what you've been doing for 21 years, is helping tell the story and get to the facts and spread the word. But I feel like often we will see someone that's known, and you are, you are, for argument's sake, a local celebrity. We know who Tom Mustin is, and we know you as that. But I want to get to know you today from the beginning. That's, that's a little creepy. <laughs> <laughs> Let's little talk scary. about Tom Mustin as okay. a child. So you grew okay. up, military family. Right. My father was a three-star admiral, Naval Academy graduate. I came from a long line of Navy, Navy naval officers. And a matter of fact, they named a ship after my father a few years ago, the USS Mustin. So it was really cool. But I was born in Monterey, California. My sister's born in Philadelphia. My brother's born in Jacksonville. Another brother in San Diego. So we were all around. And whenever I tell anybody that, they say, oh, Navy family. But I went to high school one, my first year in London, second year in Greece, Athens, Greece, and then I, in D.C. because dad always used to come back to the Pentagon. So I grew up in that kind of that, that environment where you're moving every couple of years. And I didn't know that everybody didn't do that. I thought, because all my friends, some of them were the same ones I had in Greece that I had in San Diego. To you was the norm. Right, exactly. But you learn quickly as a Navy kid or as a military kid in general that you either sink or swim. So you have to get either be really outgoing or, or very withdrawn. And I went kind of the outgoing area. So I have friends from you know Greece and Hawaii that I, I've had for years. And so for me, it was a great experience seeing the world and going to England and Greece and realizing that the world doesn't revolve around the United States. It's a big world out there. So it was a great experience to me. And I think I used that experience to, to tell stories you know, in, in journalism. I think it helps to get out and see the world as well. Do you feel like because you have an experience of the world, you're able to see people as they are and from where they are, and you're able to tell them stories? If you're telling a story in America, would you tell it differently than you would in Europe? Definitely. You know, you know what was really eye-opening to me? When we moved to London when I was in eighth grade, I realized that our image of America here is so different than over there. They, they, their image is of loudmouth Americans with Hawaiian shirts and black socks yelling, hey, Steve, what's going on? That's what they think, all Americans. They think they're New Yorkers. And so I was really cognizant of the fact that I was a representative of our country. So I tried to be very respectful and polite. And I think I won a lot of people over over there that had preconceived notions about America, like we have about Asia or wherever. And so I think if I were doing a story in Europe, I'd be very cognizant of the fact that people have this, this notion of Americans, and I would try to go against that stereotype and, and be warmer. I think. Was it ever intimidating being in, not to say that you don't belong there, but being around people where you stand out, whether it's your accent, whether it's how you dress, whether it's how you think, whether it's 
how your family is raised or your traditions, was it ever intimidating to be in a place where you're different in a sense? I think it, it gives you, a, I think it makes you a more empathetic person because when we lived in Greece, I, I had like white blonde hair. I said my little brother, and we used to walk around the city and people would stop us and take pictures. And they'd say, blonde hair. They would get pictures because we were kind of like the circus sideshow freaks. And I realized, you know, some people feel this way in America. And I think you, it makes you become, a, it's, it sounds kind of a trivial to say this, but a better person. Because I realize that, you know, there are places where you are different and you have to accept people's differences. And I think that's made me a very much more empathetic person, which is good. Where was your favorite place to live? Well, that's a tough one. I mean, we love Colorado, of course. D.C. is kind of home, Alexandria, because my father worked in the Pentagon. I loved Greece. England, I was young. I was 13. And it was tough because I... All the TV shows, they were like anti-American, making fun of me. So I had kind of a bad feeling about that. I'd love to go back to London. I think I'd appreciate it more now. But I'd say the, the favorite places I loved, San Diego, Greece, and probably D.C. You've got all your weathers going. And Colorado, too. Um, what did you enjoy most about, if you could pick one thing from each place where you live, what did you enjoy most? I think it was just meeting new people and seeing new cultures. And, and I remember I was on a football team in Greece, and, I, and during practice, you could see the Acropolis in the background, you know, the, the famous Acropolis. I'm thinking... How many people in the world, even as a 14, 15-year-old, get to experience something like this? You know, or going, in, going, going to school in London, on the, taking the bus by myself and, and seeing Big Ben, you know, and just thinking, wow. And I think it's, uh, I appreciate it more now than I think I did then, but it, it was a great experience. Being so. on the football team, was it football, football, American football, American or football. was it soccer football? Well, good point, because in Greece and in England, Football is soccer. No, I, I did play uh, soccer, but I also played American football in Greece. And we had actual American teams because I wanted to be a pro football player. Okay. So I was really homesick. And you know, when we, we moved to England, there was no football. I went, oh, right. my gosh. Right. But uh, Now so, they have now and again exhibition games. in London. Do. I think they've done it once or twice in London. And they had the World League where they actually had a team. Right. In London, they do so. have the World League. Right. So dream was to be a football player. Yeah. What did you, what did you feel like sports or football had to offer you? What were you to gain from that? What I loved about football was I loved the, the sense of teamwork, you know, working together for a common goal. And I also just loved the competition. You know, it was, you know, you're up against people who are trying to, you know, knock you over. And, and after the game, you shake hands and you're, you're friends again. I love that, just the feeling about football, something about just the, I, I love baseball too. I played baseball for many years and basketball, but something about football, just the, the, the hitting and the and, the, you know, just everything about it I just liked. You, know, you had pads, so, you know, thank God, knock on wood, I didn't get really hurt. But that was always my, my favorite, so I still follow the college and, and pro football. Do you feel like it's a healthy way to get out aggression? Because I know nowadays, see the news a lot, and you see all this bad stuff that's happening, and, and, and you'll get extremes. You'll get, I don't watch the news because I don't care, I don't want to know. And then you'll get people who are informed, and they're feeling bad about things that are happening. Right. And in a sense, I've heard that... One act, one shooting, or, or something that occurs may motivate or cause somebody else to then engage in another bad act. Do you think sports is a way to, a healthy way to get out aggression? I definitely think so. I'm also a runner, you know, and, you know, you can have a horrible day and you get home and you go run or go, you know, hit the heavy bag or whatever you want to do to work out. Yoga, it does, it gets the stress out. I think, yeah, it's a good outlet for people. I'm not saying it's going to stop, prevent shootings or anything like that, but I do think it it's something you can do that it's good for your mind and your body as well after a hard day. As being an anchor, people ask sometimes about, do they tell you that you have to look a certain way and you have to work out and you have to dress a certain way? I mean, you always 
see our anchors in solid colors. Well, yeah, I, I, you find, you know, we've had consultants over the years talk to us. You don't want to do a lot of stripes because it kind of strobes on, on air and logos, obviously, too. But I think your question about are they telling you to look a certain way, I think because it is a visual medium, people are looking at you. So I, I take I want to look as, as good as I can. So I do work out a lot, and I want to look my best on camera. Sometimes after a long day out in the field, you're not looking your best. But, you know, that's certainly part of it. Because unlike radio, you do, you are, people are looking at you and they judge you by, you know, what you look like, whether they want to admit it or not. I mean, women have said a lot of times when they're pregnant, they get hateful letters saying, look at how fat you're getting, blah, 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 which is horrible. Rightly or wrongly, people judge you by your appearance. So that you have to take that in mind. But know but, also that when you're, when you're in the media, when you're on TV every day and you're in people's living rooms, they feel like they know you and they feel like they can talk to you that way. So that's that's part of the deal. You know that there's not everyone's going to like you. I mean, you're going to get hate mail about things you went, what? So, Have you gotten hate mail? I've gotten some nasty letters, but, you know, I don't want to sound like a Pollyanna, but 90% of the letters I get from people or emails are all positive. And when I've run into people in King Supers, they all, they're very nice, you know, so that's that's nice to, to know. But you also, a long time ago, I figured out that not everyone's going to like you, you know, no matter what you do. So I just try to be as professional as I can. And for those people who have a problem with me, I, I try to talk to him and find out what it is and then you know i'll take into consideration but can it be a good thing if you're not always like can that be a source of growth oh definitely and i had one lady uh, years ago say you know tom i i really like watching you but sometimes we, when you're doing your live shots your your hands are like all over the place and i, and I so i went back and watched my live shots. i was thinking yeah they are you know i was pointing to things but I, they were kind of crazy so i made it like a metal note to keep my hands a little bit less movement you were <laughs> you were being a football player on anchor all at once i was being an, yeah exactly but but you can you know you definitely can learn from people you have to you have to get feedback from everyone and and i i will always go back and watch my newscasts or my live shots and think about things, uh, and we've talked about this in class before, how you're, you're your biggest critic. And so I always find things that, that probably no one else would even pick up on, but I, I always try to improve. You know, you're always learning and improving, and that's, that's how you can be better as a journalist. Where did the transition from dream to be a football player <laughs> to anchor, I mean, that's quite a transition, yeah. where did that come into place? Well, at my after my sophomore year in college, I played my first two years of college in football. I went to Hampton Sydney College. I transferred to Virginia Tech, which is a big-time school in football. And I was getting concussions in practice towards the end of my career. So I started thinking, you know, as, as good as my technique was, I was a defensive back, God made some people 6'1", 185 like me, and some people 6'5", 300, and they're faster than me. So when we hit each other, it's I'm going to lose. So I started thinking, you know, I, probably a good time to get out. I didn't have any serious injuries other than the concussions. So I, I got out and started thinking later, much later, how what what gave me that same kind of ex, uh, buzz, what that uh, same kind of feeling that sports did, and it was news. My wife is actually the one that said that. You know, you you've always loved news, Tom. Why don't you try it? At that point, I was in L.A. trying to be an actor. Oh, okay, <laughs> it's a whole athlete. Other, yes, a I did actor, crazy. anchor. I was on General Hospital. I was uh, I did a story, a movie called Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home. I was in, and right after that happened, I was getting some momentum. And there was a big writer's strike, and it went on for like six months. And I remember thinking, the Tom Cruises of the world could care less about the strike. The Tom Mustons, who are looking for this as an income. Right. So my, during the strike, my wife was pregnant at the time, and we were married in L.A. And she said, you know, you, why do you think about news? So I went back to school at UCLA and got a degree in broadcast journalism, interned at KBC, and that kind of started the whole thing going. And so. what? Now it's been 21 years. But I went from – I put together tape. We hired a, a photographer at KBC to shoot – stand-ups, and, and I put my first reel together and sent it all across the country. Back then, it was VHS, you know, snail mail. And I got uh, an offer in Charlottesville, Virginia, of all places, because I lived in Virginia, 
worked there for 10 months, went to Jackson, Mississippi, where they made me the weekend anchor. I was there for a year and a half, number one NBC station in the country. Went from there to Greensboro. I was the, the morning show anchor for a month, and they made me the main anchor at night, 6 and 11. And then I heard after three years there, they were closing our station down. It was owned by Sinclair. And I, out of the blue, I got a call from uh, Angie Kucharski, who was the news director at KBC here, and said, hey, how would you like to come out to Denver? And all I knew about Denver was John Elway throwing touchdowns in the snow. I'd never been there. I was a Navy kid. It was a flyover state. But I came out here to visit and just fell in love with it. It was, it was in January of 2002. And, and people were saying, if you like it in January, you're going to love the rest of the year. And we've been here ever since. So it's home for my three kids, and, and we just love it here. Do you ever or have you ever just gotten tired? It seems to be a very demanding field where you're always on the go. There's no room to mess up. Murphy's Law, as we talked about in class, if something can go wrong, it will go wrong. Right. And you have to deal with it because it's on you. Right. Do you enjoy that thrill? Do you ever um, get tired? I think, well, you, you, at the end of the day, especially after long, like the Aurora Theater shooting where you've worked you know, 17 hours, you're, you're tired at the end of the day. But it's also a very rewarding feeling because unlike some other professions, you work hard all day long and you see the fruits of your labor at 5 o'clock or 10 o'clock or 6 o'clock. You know, you, you get to see what you're doing. And I just really like that feeling where one day you're talking to the president, the next day you're talking to, to John Elway. I mean, you're meeting different people in different situations all the time. People say, it's all, it's so much bad news. I don't watch the news. There is a lot of bad news, but there's a lot of good stuff too. And I've shown you some of the packages we've done of great people that we've had a chance to meet and changing people's lives by, by showcasing them. So I think it's, it's very tiring, but it's also worth it. Do you feel like that overlaps with an athlete? For example, my Cleveland Cavaliers have been doing very, 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 very bad. And it's I, the early. I, I think they just made like six or seven trades. And now they're doing better because, you know, in sports we say now they're a young team. Yes. Um, do you feel like that overlaps with, in a sense, the reporting or anchoring where you're working? You're working in like all this time. First you're a student. Then you get a story. Then finally it's out there. Yeah. Overlapping with a an athlete who is working their whole life. Finally they make it to the big leagues. Practice, practice. They're not doing well. Like Cleveland is not doing well, and then they win a championship. Right? Does that overlap? Well, yeah. I mean, I talking about Cleveland. I mean, that was so great to have LeBron. He, you know, he left the city, went to Miami, and came back to you know to said I want to lead the city to the championship. And they were down three games to one to the big bad you know uh, Warriors, who you know had won more games than anyone else in history. And Cavaliers came back and won, down three to one. So that was something great. And, and seeing sport. Things like that in sports, it really picks you up. I'm watching the Olympics now. I'm sitting at home going, yes, you know, look at our snowboarders. And Do you feel skiers. like you know them? I do. Well, you know, again. We well, you probably do know them. Do well, you know them? Do you know uh, any Olympics? I think I've met some of them, but, but not a lot of them. What we're talking about is, you know, when you see people in your living room every day, you feel like you know them. And that's kind of the way we feel about those sports people. And that's the way some people feel about me when they see me, you know, on their television. How do they approach you initially? Because I know when you walked in, because I work front desk in our department, mm -hmm. and you walked in. And I looked down and I didn't like I was like, this is my dream. Like you're living my dream and you're walking. I didn't say anything to you. I didn't. I just let you walk by. Uh -huh. And now you're teaching my class. And I thought you were just ignoring me. No, I wasn't ignoring <laughs> you. I was um, pretending to work because I was intimidated that uh -huh. someone who lives my dream every day is now in my office. Uh -huh. And then now you're my professor and uh -huh. right here with studio. Well, it's awesome. Well, most people, like I said, are, some of them are too shy to come up and talk to you. But it's always not always, but a lot of times. When you're you haven't shaved and you've had a long day and you just worked out and you your baseball hat over your head and you're, you're <laughs> yeah. King Supers when someone wants to take a picture with you, how did you know who I am? You're Tom Muscle. Anyway, um, <laughs> so 
you know, but that's kind of fun. You know, if you don't like people coming up to you and talking to you, go get a job as a stockbroker because, you know, when you're in the news business, you're in the public eye, and that's part of the deal. One of the, the stories I always tell everybody is when I was in L.A. as an actor, I was waiting tables at a place called The Bellage, and Madonna and Sean Penn were married at the time. They came in, and the um, they, the paparazzi saw them and started chasing after them, and Sean Penn punched one of the one of the photographers. And I remember thinking, dude, Sean, if you don't like this, Get another profession. Your job is to be in the public eye. Get over it. You know, a million people would kill to have your job. You know, so get over yourself. And I remember that seeing that really made an impression on me. Like, gosh, if I ever get to be where someone wants to talk to me or have my autograph, I'm going to be there for them. Because it's yeah. just easy to be nice for 10 seconds as it is to be a jerk. That's the way I look at it. But, but and that's great. That leads into my next question as to how do you stay composed? Because the thing is, at the end of the day, we are all people. Mm-hmm. But... Say, like for me, when you walked in, it was like, you're, oh, you're Tom Mustin, you know? <laughs> and so it was like 10 seconds, 10 seconds, 10 seconds over a course of 21 years. Does it ever add up? How do you always stay composed? Because you don't always want to take pictures. You don't, but, and you always, there is one thing, you know, kind of a trade off. You always feel like you're on anytime you're in the public. And I will, there are times that I'm like, I'm not feeling well, and I got to go to King Supers to pick up something. And I, oh, shoot, I got to go change my clothes because I know someone's going to see me. Just, this is that little thing. But, Boy, talk about a first-world problem, Mahir. Right. i got to go look good for my public. Of course. Oh, come on. You know, a lot of people have a self-pumped-up uh, sense of self-importance in this news business, and it's it's easy to get that way because people are always tell you how great you are and they want you to MC this and that. But I, I always try to be grounded. I try to volunteer. I try to do things, you know, to help people. And, and that's the great thing about doing what I do is you can make a difference in people's lives, and I think that, that helps you stay, you know, as a real person instead of just this, you know, news person on TV. How do you maintain, because you hear often, you have to have a thick skin for that business. Yeah, um, do. How do you maintain thick skin and nice person? Because you are a very nice person. <laughs> you are very approachable. But you would know better than anyone else that you need a very thick skin. So how do you balance that? Well, I mean, I think you have to, be, you have, to have thick skin to live in this world these days. You have to have thick skin as, to be a, a banker, to be a lawyer, to be a doctor. I mean, the world, you have to have a thick skin. I mean, remember Rocky said, it's not how hard you can hit. It's how hard you can get hit. And come back, and that's that's what it's like. And you have to have a thick skin because you got people constantly criticizing what you do every day, praising you, but also criticizing you. And you have to realize, okay, some of these people are trying to actually help you. Some people just that's the way they are, and that's part of the deal. But if you don't like it, news is not for you because you know every day you're being judged about something, and you're having to talk to people who've had terrible things happen to their family, and you have to get information from them. And so if that's something that bugs you, maybe you should probably think about some another career. So another career would be, for example, let's say an athlete. A lot of the times you watch these press conferences, and granted, they've played one, two hours. They're drenched in sweat. They are tired. They don't want you to be in their face. But <laughs> you are in their face because as they did their job, your job is to right. report on their job. Do you think that also is just thick skin when they're like, uh, yeah, okay, man, yeah, see you later. And they're like, walk away. I've seen, yeah. like, uh, there was a press conference with Tom Brady where he was asked some question. I think it was about the president, where he didn't want to comment, but right. he literally just up and left. Yeah. And so is that, because we say that our athletes, you know, we expect them to be our heroes. And so we say he was stuck up, or he was this, or he was that. Yeah. But is it, or is it just thick skin to cover yourself? Well, I think with Tom Brady's case, you know, you, you don't want to, take sides you know you're an athlete so you want to you know you want to it's one thing to talk about a game what happened in the game but to be talked about talking about politics you realize no matter what you say you're going to alienate half your audience right right 
So I think that's what Brady was saying. He's a Trump supporter. He didn't want to get into that. And he was thinking, you know, we're talking about a football game here. Why am I chatting about, you know, what's going on in, in Washington? And I kind of get his, his point of view. But again, the, the flip side, the devil's advocate is these guys are making millions and millions and millions of dollars. So the least you can do is sit down for a couple of minutes and talk to your public who's paying your salary. You know, do you think that they think that they just deserve that, that they, their talent is so much that it's just normal to them, that they should be earning that much? And maybe that's why sometimes they. Well, act I think out? That they're, they're in a world where everyone's telling them how great they are, you know, and they're in a, this little protective bubble. And they're in a very exclusive group of people, pro football players, pro basketball players, hockey players, baseball players. And so, yes, they're in a, they're in kind of an alternate world. But most of them come to a point probably later in their career where they realize you know what, I'm very fortunate to be where I am, and, I, and they embrace talking to the, the public. But it's, it's tough. I mean, every, you never get a break. I mean, you're always on, and much more so for these athletes than me. But, you know, these guys, imagine you've had a horrible game. The whole world has seen you mess up, throw an interception that, that lost the game, and now you've got to sit there and talk about it for 20 minutes to people asking dumb questions. Well, is it appropriate then to say, and I will quote LeBron again, yeah, they should take all of our games off of national television because every time they're on national television, we lose. And that's not <laughs> the reason why you lose, no, LeBron. No, no, no. LeBron has been in the public eye since he was like 15. You know? Yes. And he's, yes. He, mm-hmm. and talk about a guy, he's like one of the Beatles. I mean, they're, everywhere he goes, it's just a mob scene. So No, he's the king. <laughs> it, it's, and there's no manual to read you know, how to react to this. You have to be, live through it. And I think he's done a great job. He's one of my favorites. I, I love LeBron. And I know I'm some some other people feel exactly the other other way about LeBron. I think he's you know overrated, but you know he's he's won all these championships, and mm-hmm. even though he's LeBron James, he's also a person. You know mm-hmm. he's he's who goes home in, with his family and kids and has to talk about you know paying the bills and taxes and all this other stuff. And there are times when you just want to be left alone. I get that. Just a kid from Akron. Yeah, he's a kid from Akron, exactly. But now he's a he's a national superstar. I mean, he can't go to England and, and not be mobbed. You know, he's everywhere he goes. I think he's he's still. I think it's a constant struggle to to deal with that kind of life because it's very foreign to everybody. It's like Elvis. You know, he was he was he didn't even know who he was by the time he died. You know, he just was so in this caught up in the celebrity bubble. And I think LeBron is uh, is dealing with that like all the pro players are a lot of you know, the, the more popular yeah well i hope he finishes his career in cleveland he says he says he is um, right. LA, i think the la lakers thing was just a, was just a big rumor i don't think yeah i don't think he happen. would go there but now they have isaiah thomas right which is good right i think it's a good fit because he's someone who is leader enough to be a leader but not when you put him with every other leader in the league. Well, that's where they messed up. That's right. where Cleveland messed up is they, you know, everyone who yeah. was a potential they had, leader they Kyrie, was thrown on that yeah. team. And then they didn't realize, well, this was a dead giveaway to me, but the team is literally built around LeBron, so there was right. a clash. And Isaiah straight up said that we don't get along, we don't trust each other. Yeah. So then he got well, traded. Well, you were saying that the Cleveland's doing bad. I mean, that's relatively speaking. I mean, they, they won the championship two years ago. They, were, they right. lost in the championship last year. Right. They've had a couple losses, but they're mm-hmm. going to be fine. When playoff time comes, you watch. LeBron and those guys will step it up again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Who is the coolest athlete that you have gotten to interview? My one interview I've always wanted, but I haven't had, is I always wanted to meet Michael Jordan. I always I oh, just idolized him growing up. Yeah. I've always wanted to meet him. I haven't. Um, John Elway was the guy when I first met him and got to interview him. He exceeded all my expectations. Just so incredibly cool and just down to earth and nice. And that, that was really kind of cool, too, to, to meet him and just chat about what's going on. I was talking to because his son was playing football at Cherry Creek. Cherry Creek. And, mm-hmm. and mine was playing at Mountain Vista, and they okay. played each other and things. Yeah. But And his son was going to be going to Arizona State, I think, at the time to be a quarterback, and we chatted about that. But, he, you know, I was by the end of the conversation, we were two dads talking about our kids going to college, and it was right. really neat. Right, So he was he was great. He very was approachable, the, very just yeah. 
cool guy. And I've met some Olympic athletes who have been been great too. So okay, well, yeah. our next step together is to conquer them Nuggets. Yeah, I know, man. I, <laughs> well, I, they need to conquer themselves first. But I think the coach, I think Malone's doing a good job of, of making a cohesive team. I think they're, they're you know, they're got a pretty good shot of making the playoffs this year. They've had some ups and downs, but I think they made some good trades, and I think they're gonna. They're going to do well. They have potential. They've got. They've had some injury problems that are. They're mm-hmm. going to work themselves out. Millsap is still injured. Right, Millsap, and that's that's a guy who was going to be you know a main player for them who's been out with mm-hmm. a broken hand. I think it is. Yes, hand. So he's uh, he's coming back soon, and I I think you know don't don't uh, deserve Nuggets. Okay, they're the Lakers. Are you going to be a Lakers fan? I'm just a LeBron fan. Okay, there you go. <laughs> so you're you're fair weather. Team fan, but always LeBron. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm a LeBron fan. Yeah. I think he does a lot of good things for the community. I think he has a hard story growing up. He missed 42 days of elementary school one year, actually, because he didn't have to go because mom was at work. Dad was absent. He didn't go. But the point to that is not for kids to start skipping school. Right. The point is that everybody has their story and to work hard and to get to your best that you can get. And so that may not be the NBA. Well, but. no, but we all have obstacles we need to overcome in our mm-hmm. lives, and LeBron has done a, a great job of doing that. He's a perfect example. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. So as we close out today, I want to ask, what advice would you give to anyone wanting to go into the field? Well, you know, I would say that I had a professor at UCLA who said, as a journalist, never be frightened, intimidated, or lazy. And I always think about that. You know, you, you're going to be scared. You're going to have butterflies. And it, this is a, a very... It's a job that's kind of foreign to a lot of people, talking in front of a camera or talking in front of a microphone. But work hard. The people who work hard always seem to get what they want. You know, so there's no, there's no magic formula. It's if you want something, go for it and get it. You go around once in life. So if you want to be a journalist, try it. It may not be for you. You may work a couple of years in and think, hey, I want to try something else. But you won't look back when you're 30 and say, gosh, I wish I'd tried that. So I think life is short. Uh, don't sit in the background. Get in there and play the game and have fun and, and make a difference in life. That's my advice. It's that concept of, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but um, build your dream or someone else will pay you to build theirs. There you go. I, I agree 100%. So so that's, that's what we'll leave you with, listeners. Uh, until next week, please, please follow us on social media at MSU Sports Thought. Thank you, Tom, for being in the studio with us today. So great to see you, Mahara. Great job. And we will be back next week.